This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. I am coming to you from the great outdoors. Chad, I am I'm outside. I know you're in south central Missouri today and this little stretch of weather we had is uh, been amazing. <laughs> Yesterday I made, sure today, I, went, I made sure I went to the field today. Oh, 100%. There's no way. While. There's no way to be stuck inside after these 2 days. It was like a lot of rain kind of Sunday Monday time frame and then on the back end of this rain front we've had. I mean, it's been 75, sunny, slight breeze. It's just been absolutely wonderful. Kind of gets you ready for season, you know? Oh, yeah, and uh, it's going to turn hot again, so <laughs> yeah. it'll get rid of those thoughts. Uh, no doubt. I did I did see, though, after this little um, mid-August cold front, cool down, whatever you want to call it here, um, I, I feel like it's kind of... Not bad, or but it feels wrong to say like a cold front when it's not in the fall and winter and the hunting season just seems wrong. But I mean, that's what it is. Um, yeah. But I, ha, have you seen the little surge and increase in um, morning doves since then? I have not, have but not. I'm in timber. Yeah, timber area, so. that's true. Um, man, the last couple of days I've just been seeing quite a few birds starting to starting to. Um, show up and arrive it seems like just kind of on the back end of this but um man it it's wild you know this is probably gonna drop um august 17th 18th something like that and it's now we're under a month for missouri's opener kentucky maryland tennessee georgia kansas i know there's a lot of states where i mean you are two to three weeks away from from season openers um, and it's just so it's rapidly approaching, but I wanted to do a podcast that, that followed up, um, a podcast that Adam and I did a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting about all the things to get done during the month of August or, or things that you should be considering getting done. What are the, what's the management window essentially kind of look like? Um, and, and that kind of leads us into today's topic. Um, but before we get into today's topic, let's give a quick shout out to Onyx. Onyx has been a partner of Land Legacy for a good while now. Uh, we just had um, Jared Larson of Onyx on the podcast, so hopefully you caught that. And we're up to speed now on a lot of the new updates regarding the Onyx app. Guys, you do need to... Um, integrate into that app. It is amazing, and they're constantly evolving, changing, updating the user friendliness from a land manager and a hunter standpoint. Um, it, it's not uncommon to to communicate with Jared and be like, "Hey, can can the app do this?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, dude, we 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 got that already." Or send him ideas. So um, they they are very very into that up-to-date kind of nature and, and really just making it as user-friendly for folks like you and I um, who are in the field constantly um, and using it all the time. So make sure you're utilizing it. And if you are new to the app, guys, um, check out the code LEGACY20. That gives you a discount 20% off their Elite membership, which has a lot of other goodies within that Elite membership. Um and then don't forget to use the desktop version of the app as well. Very, very handy. And some of their new releases are out on desktop and not the mobile app yet. So, with all that being said, Chad, today we're talking about the differences, the pros and the cons, the scenarios in which you'd use them, but the, the differences between basal bark treating hack and squirt and girdle and spray and the these are techniques we, we've done a i'm not gonna say a similar 
podcast, but a similar similar in in the nature of breaking down the different techniques. Um, we did this back earlier the year, kind of the turn turn of the year, um, when everybody was thinking about timber stand improvement. Um, so that kind of January window, um, we talked about the different techniques of of felling trees or treating trees. But this comes into a different scenario because now we're incorporating basil bark treating. And I, I think that most people are just unaware of, honestly, what that really is. They've, they've heard it, they've read it, but they don't really truly understand where no, you would it, use it, that and, and how a, you even do it. It's a very limited technique. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very specific in what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you can just go out through the woods and start spraying <laughs> spray in the, the bottom section of every tree and expecting it to die. Yeah. I mean, yep. you generally it's six inches and below. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, six inches of it, diameter is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, so why don't, why don't you give a, give a quick definition of, of basil bark, kind of what it is, what its role is. And then we're going to dive into some of those, some of those scenarios. And I want everyone listening um, maybe you jot down, you know, notes throughout this podcast. Um, maybe you got a lot of work to do or, or you didn't even know this technique was necessarily out there. And the scenarios that we're talking about really hit home for you. And like, I was dreading doing hack and squirt on that, but I could just do this. Or I was dreading doing hack and squirt and I could just do this, um, and, and be more effective and more efficient with your time in the field. So, um, we've had good responses on podcasts like this because of the nature of um, we're really trying to hone in on best technique for each scenario. So, Chad, Chad, what is basil bark treating? So basil bark, you're using <clears throat> an oil as a carrier. Um, the classic one is diesel. Now there's a lot more of the, like, basil oils mm-hmm. that people are using that are a little more natural. Um, and then you're mixing it to... Uh, what I've generally done is um, I mix it in two gallon, two gallon mixes, and it'll be a, a half gallon of my active ingredient, which is generally for me um, the ester triclopure, mm-hmm. which um, is Garlon you, Four, correct? Yes, or Remedy Ultra, mm-hmm. any of the esters. That's yep. that's what you have to be specific on, is so that it's it will mix with oil. Correct. Um, you, you try Garlon three and it's going to, it's going to separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, what I, I generally did it, um, a half gallon of the active ingredient and a gallon and a half of my oil carrier. And the reason you use the oil carrier is it holds that active ingredient and actually breaks down the cells of that plant to allow the active ingredient to go into it. Right. Right. So like, in in as, as we're talking about the application of this, so people know, like you're spraying this on the outside of the tree, right? That's where yes. the bark name comes from. You're basil walking through bark. the woods, finding the standing tree, and all you're doing is coating the bottom, like foot of that of that tree, mm-hmm. on all sides. It's full and circumference around the tree. Yes. So then that that oil is on the on the bark, and it's generally what I've used it on is more of the thinner barked trees. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time I did it on honey locust. Yep. Um, honey locust is really effective on them, especially when you look at how thorny they are. That's, that's <laughs> something where you can kind of, yeah. you, you don't have to worry about driving over the top or anything like that. You just, we walked through with backpack sprayers. And, and, and the last and thing you them. really want to be doing is swinging a hatchet on all those thorns coming off the base of the tree and yeah. getting your knuckles poked and it's, this and that. It's really where I saw a benefit is in places where you where you cut yep. say you bush hog some honey locusts off and they stump sprouted. Uh, where it exactly. Was, it was five or six stems and it would have been it would have really been a mess to get in with a hatchet. <clears throat> Anything else, if you just cut it off, it's gonna be trouble and then you're trying to get into it. The easiest thing was with a backpack sprayer, and you just sprayed that whole base. We're, we're and, gonna, yeah, we're gonna get into that multi-stemmed nature here here in a second. Um, but but let me ask you this: when basil bark treating, and there's lots of different you know ways to um, 
I guess it really would just depend on, on how much, the quantity of what it is that you're spraying. But are you running this in a backpack sprayer? Um, specifically, which one do you prefer? Because I know really kind of internal guts and everything, if you're having that kind of concentration of, of heavier oils, you really want a, a, a pretty decent uh, backpack sprayer just to make sure flow and it can handle that, that fluid concentration uh, a little bit denser coming out of the nozzle and stream and everything. So like, yeah, what, what everything you... I've ever seen, I've had contractors doing it and it was, uh, they were using the steel ones, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, the steel backpack sprayers. I've used <clears throat> the others. Um, the, the problem you can run into because most of the time when you're doing basal treating, you also want to mix in a marker dye. Correct. Correct. Um, so that. you want to be really careful because some of those backpack sprayers can leak a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you end up with blue clothes, blue back, blue hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You end up looking like a Smurf. You're, you're, you're a Smurf so, crew at the end of the day. So it's it's real really a benefit to have a, a good backpack sprayer in in doing that. Uh, um, I, I side side note to everyone listening, I I firmly believe this. Um, when it when it comes to these tools that are we're not talking tractor, we're not talking skid steer implements or, or, or um, a no-till drill. I'm talking about things that you hold like chainsaw, backpack sprayer, blower drip torch like the things that you are working with consistently don't skimp on them like the steel yeah. backpack sprayer um i cannot remember the, the exact number on it um but but it's i think it's about their only model that they make and i've run that thing for years um probably 10 11 years now and it is it is more costly than than many of the others but internal guts um of it. it it's simple but it works and it holds up for a long time and i think that yeah. like and there's every... some other brands sure there's some other brands that have some like chemical more more chemical based um and then others you just prepare to replace seals in them exactly um, yep some some companies i mean they have pretty decent customer service and pretty decent part Part service where you can get seals for them and just replace them. The the um, the thing is, your time like if you don't live on site and you're not using it all the time when you get there, the last thing you want to do is is play mechanic or realize it's not working. Yeah, just, like which, spend some extra which money. Is even more reason too when you're done to take care to dump it all out, clean it out. Because <laughs> that's that's my problem is I leave stuff in there and then it uh, corrodes it, it and feels out of them. So yes. Um, the other, the other one we've done, um, I've become a big fan of here in the last few years is, is uh, basal treating multiple rows. Mm -hmm. You guys have talked about it a little bit, but it, it's quick and effective. Yes, um, I, I've seen it work within a week, mm -hmm. just melting, melting multiple rows. I, I think if you have those giant multiple rows that are growing up into trees and growing everywhere. We're, it's impossible to spray the whole the whole uh, leaf system. Mm -hmm. You can go in and spray that base and and kill the whole thing really fast. Here's let, let's let's talk about the multi-stemmed side of things here now. Um, but but after we finish this, let's I want to go back to timing timing of basal bark trimming because that's that's always a, a follow up question when it comes to um, when it comes to, to clients asking about it. Um, but this is where I think basal bark treating absolutely shines. Where I feel like the scenario plays out where it's just way more effective um, and, and, and less time-consuming than trying to do foliar treatment as well as um, either like cut stump treatment. When you have the multi-stem nature... You're always it's it's always a little bit more difficult to get super close to the stems of the stump to either cut them. I, I I've treated um, um, autumn olive with with this before um, and, and tree of heaven. So generally, right, multi multi stem, but autumn olive similar to your um, multi floor rose scenario. Man, they can get so big that like you couldn't get a saw to the base of them to to cut them. Right, like you you, you don't yeah. want to reach in there, but usually there's a side 
one side or another, let's say it's grown on a field edge, there's always the back, like if you go into the wood side and you come in, like that side's pretty much open on that shrub or the multi-stemmed bramble because everything's reaching out to the field that you can get right on the back side of it and you're like, I can easily spray this and, and get pretty much all the size I need to at the base of right off the ground, create that one foot band width around the, the actual multi-trunked deal and walk away. And I don't have to like reach in with a saw or I've, there's been people, you know, using a pole saw to reach into autumn olive and to like disassemble. It. It's like, man, forget that. Just go basil treat that thing. Um, and because like foliar treating, right? They, they, they get monstrous, and that, that that turns out to be yeah. You run a twenty-five gallon well, sprayer or a five gallon sprayer, it doesn't go that far. For me, if if you're if you're treating multi-stem stuff, if it, it well, especially multi-stem stuff, but stuff under six inches, if you're if mm-hmm. you're treating that stuff, you, you're generally dealing in more open open stuff, open open areas. Yes. Um, one of the things that I have seen in in if you're looking at between foiler treatments and basal treatments you can be much more precise with your chemical Very um, much so. as you're getting into that stuff that six inches below you can get the stuff that's eight ten foot tall mm-hmm. um you start trying to foil or treat that not only are you um killing stuff your your non-targeted species oh. but you're also exposing yourself to chemical residue a sure. lot more there's a lot uh, of collateral, and and you you get that up in the air. You have a wind shift change. Yeah, my, yeah. you're you're killing. I I've seen a lot of diversity in areas killed out and mm. boiler treating those areas because there's so much drift. Sure. Because they're spraying high, where you could go in and basil treat and kill a small little spot there. Yep. That that can be <clears throat> reseeded from the area around you. And and someone would say. Well, you know, you're using half a gallon of Remedy Ultra or Garlon 4, um, and I'm only using, you know, 16 ounces of Garlon 3A for every four gallons of water, you know, something like that, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's true, and, and I'm using water and not crop oil. It's cheaper to do this. Maybe, but, but you got to realize that, like, Two gallons well, goes a long ways when you're, other, when you're doing that. The other side, the other side to that is, I I have seen when you're when you're getting into that borderline, that that six, eight, ten foot tall stuff that you can still treat with basal treating. I, I've never seen a foiler treatment get a great kill. I think I think a it's, lot of times it, it singes the it's leaves. It's a very spotty. It's a very inconsistent kill on that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it gets to that tall and you're wanting to foiler treat, you you need to either burn or bullhog that back and start it over again and get it when it's smaller. Yep. When it gets to that size, it's very tough to get a great kill with foiler treatments. Or it goes into our next scenario uh, of the hack and squirt, but we'll get there in a sec. Yeah. Um, but but that's that's if you will that that kind of um best case scenario best use case for basil treating it, it it can be very effective i've only seen let's say in, in about all time consulting where um there was there was a, a timber harvest and um tulip poplar which is very thin bark um and and it was you know anywhere from one inch to four inches in diameter um but just extremely thick in the regeneration where it was like, okay, I can see some application here despite being single stem. It's almost acting because it's so dense in here as multi-stemmed to that it would be necessary or it would be just as effective to probably basal treat these, these stems of regeneration back in here. Um, but, but generally it, I, I would result to the next technique for that, for that scenario in most cases. But when when you're talking about thorny, when you're talking about um, yeah anything certainly six inches and less or multi-stemmed in nature, I think the the basal treating is is and can be super effective if you know how to mix it appropriately. 
um, and you know how to or, or how it's imperative to treat the circumference of those stems, when, when Chad is like go time for basil and is there not a go time for basil treating? Every time I've done it, it's been, I mean, it's generally been in like winter even. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time that I've done it, I think you can get by with doing, you can do it at other times too, but it's, that's generally when I've seen it done. Yep. I think, um, I think you could, I think you, you could get by with it. Like, I think it totally depends on the um, what's around it. Let's let's say a pasture, right? And you're trying to kill the multiple rows, and really trying to promote grass around it. Let's say you do have a little bit of overspray, you're not going to harm that much stuff. But if you're in a wood, yeah. if you're in a woodlot that like you're trying to promote a bunch of forbs in the understory, yeah, maybe maybe don't do that in the growing season. Yeah. Um But but I've right, done. We've done multiple rows almost year round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm, there's, it's any there's, time we think about it and yeah. or have a patch of it annoying us and jump in with the, we use those little sprayers for that sure. for the multiple rows a lot of times because it's like I honestly don't want to wait in the multiple rows for much longer than that. Uh, correct, correct. That's a it. It could be a technique where it's like, hey, I'm going to do this because we're here. And I know we're going to encounter it. Um, you kind of have to be in the right frame of mind to go and do large swaths, but. At the same time frame, um, I have seen, and I know there's people listening now who have large infestations of bush honeysuckle, autumn olive, multiflora rose um, in and among their understory. And, um, you know, I, I think about this, Chad, there's, there's, there's a lot of states um, and potentially a lot of people who are nervous to burn, and I'm not at all suggesting and saying that this replaces burning, but during a winter time frame or a dormant season, um, where you know that you have those those plants in the understory that are very troublesome, that are prevalent, where we would normally say, "Hey, let's let's try and get a fire once that's greened out, and and knock it back, and then go back and treat," and 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 you know you've probably reduced some of the existing stand of it. I would say your best bet is probably to get in there and do some basal treating of of those those species, right? To hopefully just eradicate, terminate them. Um, and, and I'm again not saying replace fire, but as an alternative, if you're nervous or you can't burn, to use that technique. Yeah, for sure. I think another one that people or basil treating isn't as popular is because the people who may utilize the basil treating or in a scenario to utilize it, oftentimes I think, <laughs> I think that they call in the skid steer and the mulcher and bring it in. Cause it's something that's like, man, all that is multi-stemmed. I don't want to cut that. That would be heck trying to do that. Um, but, they don't really know about the effectiveness or the application of no. basal treating. And, and that's, I mean, the, the problem with that is then you've either got to search for your stumps to treat them uh-huh. or you're going to just count on knocking it back again. It's a continuous cycle. I, I think at some point you're going to have to do something to kill it. I think, I think that's where the scenario is. Someone would bring in a skid steer and they're like, I'm committing to going back and, and foliar treating in the growing season. But again, they just don't know enough about the basal bark treating to be able to accomplish or, or know that that would accomplish a lot of what, what um, they're looking at. Right? Especially when you consider how expensive running the skid steer is. No doubt. No doubt. Yep. I mean, I've seen, I've seen anywhere from 110 to $220 an hour for, for skid steer operators. Kind of just runs the gamut. Um now they could do a lot, but at the same time, that buys a whole heck of a lot of chemical, and and you don't use a ton of it. And and at the end of the day, if you're trying to use a skid steer, um, initially you still have to go back and use herbicide. So that's, that's two times you're in there versus one time. So all that to be said, um, is is there anything else, Chad, that you want to touch on? on regarding basal bark treating before we move on uh not that i can think of okay i think we've not covered it 
I think it's a great, great application. I, th- I think more people, more people will find themselves realizing, hey, you know, I can, I can use that technique, um, oppo- opposed to some of the ones that we've ju- that we've just mentioned there. So, um, let's let's slide over into the category of of hack and squirt, right? Um, this is probably the most familiar technique that people are or have in their head when they think of TSI or FSI. This is pretty common. We're not going to, I don't think, spend a a, a ton of time on it, but I do want to distinguish when you would use that over basal bark treating and and why they're not the same um, in in their use cases. But um, give give a quick synopsis, Chad, on on hack and squirt, if you will. I honestly... um... Why don't you give the rundown on it? Because, okay. I mean, I think about it. I, I don't have quite as much experience with it just because, I mean, Adam and I have been doing it. But for a lot of our stuff, um, besides quickness with multiple people and not watching out for other people, I've been more of an advocate of chainsaw just because sure. I like fire to maintain. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely, um, and, and which which you bring up good points. I think that we want to discuss right um, because because a lot of this the 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 differences of basal bark of hack and squirt and of um, girdle and spray those three techniques to me the biggest the one of the biggest reasons or how how you select which ones you would do is initial concentration or initial species what is it you're killing how much of it is there what's the density but then in the long term is how do you want to manage the site or how does the site need to be managed that really then determines that that's the best best option for you it's kind of how you kind of if you will yeah weed your way through the the selection process of of which technique is best and and to me it's it's when you're killing a lot of the undesirables that are bigger than six inches um in in and in, in areas that you don't want thickened up with a lot of uh, woody debris on the ground. Correct, correct. And to me, that's the biggest thing with hack and squirt is is keeping the woody debris off the ground. Yep, and I think that so so essentially, hack and squirt for those who don't know is literally you're utilizing a hatchet or a machete, typically a hatchet. Um, and, and you have a bottle of herbicide a mixture. We'll go over that in just a second. Um, and in one hand, hatch it in the other, and you're going up to the trees. You're identifying trees specifically. You can do it with some shrubs, but, but typically it is, it is with smaller diameter trees, um, mid-story trees, or just overstocked, um, overstocked growth post-harvest. You, again, it's just high stem count areas. And you're going in. Um, and using the hatchet to make a cut about a 45 degree angle into the tree, and then you're applying one squirt of herbicide for every hack, and you do one hack for every three inches or so the diameter um, of that tree. So if it's a six inch tree, you're hitting it three times and squirting herbicide into each one of those cuts, one squirt per, per cut. And that will then get the herbicide into the cambium layer because you've severed the tree. You don't need, unlike the the basal bark treating, you're not spraying the outside of the tree and letting that crop oil or the or the um, the oil penetrate, pull into the herbicide into the tree to reach the cambium layer. You're literally severing the bark with the hatchet and placing the herbicide mixture into the tree cambium system itself. That then translocates it to the root system tree dies over time. That yeah, and sometimes this time of year, if you're do, if you're doing it this time of year, it doesn't take very long for a lot of south softwood species. That's correct. <laughs> that's where Adam and I have been hacking, squirting, um, or hacking spray, and uh, some of our woodland restoration areas, and the, like the dogwoods and the red buds, it looked like in sassafras, the dogwoods. Or it it would look like fall in those those softwood species. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're within changing. a week. They're they're, they're changing w- quickly. Within a week, you're already seeing them wilting and turning colors. Yeah, a- absolutely, 
absolutely. Um, no, it, it's 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 a great technique to use. There's just there's there's case studies, right? Um, that you you have to. Um, boy, I just lost my train of thought. There's a lot of great uses for hack and squirt, um, but I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are, Chad, with general TSI. I'd rather drop a lot. One, because of running a chainsaw, you know you're going to run fire um, afterwards. And when you have a high stem count and you're killing trees standing in, in an excessive amount, um, or really for any matter, you, you, you just have to be conscious of the snags, right? You're, you're killing trees standing, so you're going to have snags that you're going to have to contend with during the fire um, that, that's to follow up. So um, that's kind of why you prefer it, correct? Yeah, so so we don't, I mean, our farm, we plan on having everything within burn units at different times. So my, 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 uh, I guess, preferred method will will be uh, the hack and squirt for the most part anywhere, just for the, the, the speed of the process and keeping it more open on the ground, um, hack and squirting everywhere that's not near any fire lines that will be iffy right any of our fire lines where it's going to be leaf litter on both sides um that will probably want a chainsaw or or go in later after after we've done this and some of the stuff dies go in and chainsaw but either way if, if you're doing that along fire lines um you better have a chainsaw with you when you're burning. Oh, no doubt. <clears throat> because no. you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to cut them. I've I've burned some areas that had a lot of fire kill mm-hmm. snags near the line, and it was it was a nightmare. Right, right. Um, and that's right where the the long term solution is like, what is gonna be what is gonna be best for for the site for you to manage it down the road. Um, and, and so uh, I want to throw out this this herbicide cocktail, very popular. Um, because of the broad spectrum nature of it. So if you're using um, hack squirt, or if you're using the next technique we're going to talk about, girdle and spray, this would be a great effective herbicide um, to, to utilize. But it is known as the Harper Cocktail Trichopier Garlon 3A. And you're going to mix that 50%. Then you're going to mix water. At 40%, um, 40% of your solution, and then add a Mazafir or Arsenal AC at 10%. So you have to mix in that order, but with the Garlon and the Tricl, excuse me, and, and the and the Mazafir, those two herbicides together will will kill just about anything that that's woody in nature. Um, so it has a broad spectrum in which it will kill so you can treat a lot of different trees and apply that to the cambium layer and move on about your day um, rapidly you guys are doing it at, at let's say great speeds um, you're covering a lot of acres but but like, we did we did 12 acres in like four hours wasn't it four or five hours i think is what adam said yeah something something like that mm. this is following up and a deep stuff too yeah this is following up a, a timber harvest but but you're st- you're still treating a, a, like the mid story that wasn't cut. So so it's not like oh well it's it's thin timber. Well I mean yeah but like well we it, were it's we still, were also doing it in areas that weren't that were the steeper stuff that didn't have the timber mark the timber cutting on it too. There you go. So, it, so it's it's a it's a good technique to use, but it differs greatly in my opinion from the basil treating. Like I see them. So, some people may like, well, could you do this and do that? Uh, or, or how closely are there? And I think there's a bigger gap between use cases of basal treating and hack and squirt than most people most people think. Bigger acreages, um, generally, you're going to be doing hack and squirt. I think of the, the basal treating as the the pockets, and it's, and it's way more species um Species dependent because of that multi-stem type nature, right? Um, yeah. Most times you don't have 
a 20 acre unit of multi-stem species, right? You got a mixture of, oh, there's a lot of grasses in there, or it's just, it's dotted autumn olive or, or bush honeysuckle in an understory of trees. Like, you you know, it, it's just, you don't typically go and have a 20 acre unit of just high stem count, single stems, or maybe it's a, a, a clear cut from years ago and you have a lot of, um, you know, double or triple trunk trees, but but not where there's six or seven stems coming out the same the same location. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's it's a it's a good technique. I don't think it's the um, the 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 gospel truth when it comes to to timber stand improvement. I think it is. It has its cases. It has its uses. But it doesn't need to be the only practice of timber stand improvement. That, that you would do let's let's say for example Chad, no. you you guys let, let's say this if you if you hadn't had done a timber harvest and you guys were going to go in and um do timber stand improvement you guys probably wouldn't have selected to really focus heavily on hack and squirt correct correct and 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 probably we would still do a lot of hack and squirt sure my my main my main issue is I don't want to kill all of the root systems of the trees mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. in, in that stand of timber. I want regeneration. I want I want woody woody sprouts for the deer to eat. Mm-hmm. I want I want shrubby that shrubby type cover for for turkeys and quail and all of our other uh, like songbirds woodland. Woodland yeah. songbird species. I, I want some of that. I don't want it to be nothing but grass and wildflower and forbs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want just that. I want shrubby stuff scattered. I and and so that's that's the main thing for me is how can you get that shrubby cover? You you just cut off cut them off. You coppice cut. Yep. trees yep you allow them to re to regenerate yeah and then you manage and them with fire yeah and, and a lot of those species that you're that you're targeting let's say mid-story softwoods man they're they're great at re-sprouting and by that I mean it's kind of their nature um when when there's disturbance but also they're generally heavier browsed or heavily selected species for yeah. browse by deer so n- not to say that you know hack a squirting and, and, and killing them, you're not going to get that because you absolutely will. The seed source is great, but but you, you're you not getting regeneration out of them for sure. Right? No, and that's where, I mean, we say it time and time again, but a diversity of everything, a diversity of practices. Yes. I don't want to go in and just hack and squirt. I don't want to go in and just chainsaw. Yes. If I just chainsaw, I'm going to end up, I mean, we've got some places like that where we mm-hmm. pretty much just chainsawed. And, you know, we burned it and cleaned up a lot of the, the uh, tops that were such a mess. But we've got a lot of woody, woody re-sprouts that we're, yes. we're going to have to burn con- uh, very frequently to manage those. Mm-hmm. Um, or go back in, in a few years and do some hack and squirt or some basil bark to knock those back. For sure. Um, even more just to thin them down to add add a little more daylight in. That's right. Yep. I I think um as as people are <laughs> listening to this podcast, they're like, oh, this is another one of those cases where um Lana Legacy is gonna say, guys, this is where management doesn't end. Like you're not done. Like it doesn't just kind of um, stop. But but I think And I that's see that where... misconception a lot. Oh I know. I yeah. see that with with timber management especially and, oh yeah and you know for some people it may be one time in their lifetime mm-hmm. they, they if if they're not as timber minded and not as as active in it like they, they might if they're not thinning it down as much you might just burn if you're leaving it thicker and and only thinning it to a 70 80 basal area mm-hmm. you might not yeah. have to do a lot of follow-up stuff but i'm going to open it up and i'm going to have to go in every every so often and and manipulate the the regeneration and everything else that i have in there for sure and um i i just i think that uh more times than not when you favor one technique 
and you do that heavily, it usually is going to mean that, hey, I need to step in and do X later on too because it's there's not really one single technique that, that's a catch-all, right? Um, no. It, it does and solves you're limiting, everything. You're going to limit yourself. By, 100%. By limiting the techniques that you use, you're going to limit yourself in, in your results. The if, results are going to be – If you just hack and squirt, you're, you're not going to have a lot of woody brows. Nope. If, or woody structure on the ground. If chainsaw, you're going to have a lot of woody brows. You're going to have a lot of woody structure on the ground, but you may not get the daylight to the ground and get the forb and grass response that you might get from the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is which is why in TSI, like, we want to mix the techniques. Um, mm-hmm. Which that's a whole other podcast devoted devoted to that. Um, and so, to me, this is where you get into the girdle and spray. Yes, this is where, to me, my my time to use girdle and spray is if I am carrying chemical with me and chainsawing, and I get to a big tree that may cause damage to some others when I drop it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's in my mind. That's when I girdle and spray. So if I get a big tree that's kind of brushy, that's say it's a big old um, Siberian elm that's real brushy, and if I drop it, it's going to scar up three or four nice uh, regenerating white oaks. I'm going to girdle and spray that one so I don't cause damage to them. I'm going to let it die standing. Yeah, and and explain for people what girdle and spray is if they're unfamiliar with that technique. So, so for me, that is when you're taking a chainsaw and essentially cutting off that cambium layer completely around the tree twice. You're doing a double girdle where you're running it all the way into that cambium layer and then running that chainsaw complete, a complete circle around the tree. And I like to double girdle. I don't, I don't like the single one. I I like, I like. Single okay. If to me, the the rule of thumb is, if you're going to single girdle, you have to use herbicide. Like you have to. But, yeah. but if you double girdle, I think there's a lot of cases where yeah, that thing is just it's done. It's toast. Um, it doesn't have enough well, energy to jump. A lot jump. of the double girdles still, you're you're not killing the root system. Well, sure, I've seen sure. A lot of those They're not gonna kill the root system. They will restock. But the top, the sunlight is gonna come through the canopy at that point. Um, yes. But but. If you double girdle, um, spray the and and you're still using herbicide, spray the bottom ring. Yes. <laughs> Don't spray the top yeah. ring. I've seen that happen a time or, time or two before. Yeah. Uh, but right, you're 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 cutting into the the tree. You're severing the cambium layer layer in a circumference around the tree, and then applying herbicide into that cambium layer, just like you're doing with the hack and squirt. But with that, the hack and squirt. It's not a complete severing like the chainsaw is going to utilize. You just stick that bar in, go half inch, inch around, and then it's it's uh you can easily spray 360 around that tree. But like you said, Chad, the um the the case is limiting either damaging the the, the residual trees that you're going to leave your leaf trees, or also if you're trying to mitigate some of the debris that you're trying to leave on the ground if you already have a lot of other woody debris from maybe mid-story that you've treated or maybe there was just a lot of junk in the timber and you've already cut and dropped some of other trees you're like man if i drop this i just there won't be really much navigation through here of wildlife or usage that's where i'm going to step in and say okay as long as i'm off a fire line a good ways I'm just going to girdle this thing because I've got the chainsaw. I'm carrying the herbicide with me. I can now step in and use this technique um, to, to, to again, mitigate that the amount of debris on the ground. But this is a technique where um, I, it's, a, it's a larger diameter tree. Like I just, there's not really any other way to, to put it. Like yeah. if, it's, if it's a medium-sized tree, um, unless unless it's like – Man, I don't know exactly where it's going, or I don't like the direction that it's going. I'll girdle and spray. But if it is, if it's a larger diameter, and and I'm in one of those scenarios of too much debris on the ground already, or directionally it's not going where I want to, and it's going to do damage to the overall goal, I'm just going to girdle and spray and walk away. But it it differs 
despite um, despite like its similarities to Hack and Squirt, its application, in my opinion, is very different. Like you wouldn't go around and do a large acreage and just girdle and spray everything. You would you should have just done Hack and Squirt most likely, or yeah. or because it's larger diameter trees, you should have you should have logged it <laughs> or, yeah. or you should have felled a bunch of those trees in the process. It's to me on a spectrum side of things, it's kind of like the, um, the basil, which was, let's say just left side of the spectrum and, and girdle and sprays on the right side of the spectrum. It has its more specific use cases, but, but it comes in, ha- you're not going to do it widespread, but it comes in handy, you know, in, in a lot of different, um, applications or timing but it's not it's not a single use technique that you're going to do in a widespread unit individual trees or individual species let's say is is more or less how i how i would look at girdle and spray and exactly or i've seen it used where it was uh planned to increase the snags within a timber stand sure absolutely increase bat habitat bat habitat that's right yep um, so I, I think, and, and let's, let's say this hack and squirt. We didn't, we didn't talk about this, but timing of effectiveness real quick hit, hit on that because, um, there, there is some, a window in there where we want to be kind of cautious of, of when you're doing and executing the hack and squirt. A lot of the chemical ones, it's just making sure the sap's not rising. You don't want it in the spring when the sap's rising. Yep. Yep. So like a girdle spray or hack and squirt. If Plants you're wanting trees to kill the up, roots, up regulating. You could girdle. You could girdle if you're not <clears throat> wanting to. If you don't care about killing the root system, you could girdle year round. Sure. Um, if you're wanting to kill the root system, you just make sure in that that like spring time span when sap's rising that you're not treating them. Yep. Because that sap from the root system is going to push the herbicide up and out of the cut that you made with the hackensport or through your girdling. And it's not going to take that herbicide down. Everything, the force, the pressure within that tree is pushing upward. So you're not going to get the, the, the benefit of that herbicide getting into the tree and down to the root system to, to take effect, essentially. So um, that's the that's the window in which those techniques, again, like you said, it, or using herbicide, um, effectiveness is, is much less. But really any other time, um, like like now, late summer, as trees are actually doing the exact opposite, they're senescing, they're going to start taking energy and begin storing it for winter. Um, that's dormancy in trees, right? We all know that. But that's when they're storing the energy. They're going to take that herbicide down, and you're gonna, you're, basically you're not going to have that tree green up next year. It's, it's a great time to do hack and squirt, a great time to do basil treating and or girdle and spray depending upon your guys' scenarios that you're finding yourself in. I know there's a lot of people though, Chad, who are like, yeah, but you guys opened up the podcast to talk about how close we are to deer season. But I don't think there's really a time frame where um, uh, right right now, if, if you're staring down the barrel of, man, I, I've got a lot of timber work to do, and step in and do it. Because you can, you can do and cover a, a lot of acreage like we talked about with these yeah. different scenarios, like do it quickly and get out of the like, just get back out. Like, it, it, it's a perfect time to do it. Let's face it, you're not getting any younger. Yep. If if you can find an excuse for about every time of the year, hundred <laughs> percent, you can. Legit, you can break it down. It's like burning when when you hear people talking about, well, I don't like to burn this time. I don't like to burn this time. You you limit yourself so much that. You don't ever do it. You're you're never going to get it all back. You so, ha- you have to prioritize it. Why not just do it year round? You can prioritize and pick other areas. Sure. Um, you can limit certain areas, but I mean we've we've been doing this for multiple years where we're working right through hunting season, and hmm. it doesn't seem to be affecting our results so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I think there's just there's those times and there's those places right where it's like okay yeah we're just we're not going to go there yeah. and do it, but like there, there is, let's, and let's just say you've got a, you've got an 80 acre track. Well, do, do, do half of it. Or 
you realize, wow, I can move through this really fast. I'm going to get, you know, two or three buddies. And if hack and squirt is, is your technique to do, go and do it in like a two or three day stretch. Yeah. And it's done. Like it's done. Yep. It's and all next done year, and you're out of there. The next growing season, you're looking at a completely different woodlot. Like yep. that, that's the power of it. If you just commit to it, but like stop thinking you're going to run everything out of the country and into the next zip code because you're terrified of, of a little bit of disturbance. Home site fidelity, core area, that research is very strong. If a deer gets bumped, he's going back to home. Like, he, he knows where it's safe and he knows where the resources are in that core area. He's coming back. Just go get the work done and you'll be way better off and the property will be way better off in the years to come. For sure. Chad, anything else that you want to, um, insight you want to give to people regarding these different techniques, kind of the breakdowns here? Uh, um, from the first couple of days, Adam, or I guess mainly the first day we did it, if you're doing hack and squirt this time of year, make sure that you're wearing something for chiggers. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Adam and I got eight up oh, that man. first day. Ankles turned red, huh? Because it it, it's in some of that stuff that has some borderline great glade areas that oh, had yeah. a lot of herbaceous growth, and it was loaded with chiggers. Oh, fun. And we both got smoked eight up. Oh, man. Well, you were killing trees and, and getting your ankles bit. Um, it was, it was well worth it, I'm sure. Cause, um, you know, again, you're making a lasting impact on this, this, um, this property, but the, you know, the future forest, right? I mean, drastically changing the outcome of the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of, uh, of this woodlot. So it's going to be cool to see well, well worth, um, doing it right, hitting these windows and choosing the right techniques for, um, for the right, uh, for the right, the right practice, the right scenario. Yep. Perfect. Um, well guys, hope, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hope you found it informative. Um, hope you will guys will share it on social media. Um, but appreciate you listening and best wishes this season. Make sure to get out there, be safe. When you harvest something, we ask that you please tag us, let us know the success and also note, consulting schedule is being built for 2024 at this time already, too. So if you're interested in our consulting services from our team members, myself, Adam, Frank, Kyle, Brady, and Alan, if you guys are interested in Atlanta Legacy team, please reach out. Um, go to the website, click the consulting tab. Fill out that information. It's going to send us an email, and we'll get with you. But um, definitely dates are leaving the calendar, getting booked already for 2024. But appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week.